bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people up... If you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the talk and text line. Phones are down. But if you want me to call you, <laughs> you can put your phone number in the talk and text. I'll call you back. we talk to you on the air. Is that cool? I don't know if we should do that. Then I'd be talking to Ray Ray. And everybody named Mama. Hey, what's going on? But anyway, I digress. 833-212-1017 is the number. YouTube. Hey, should I open up my YouTube page so people can watch my videos on YouTube? I should probably do that. Nah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I, will, I will work on actually doing that. Also, um, I'm on LinkedIn, so if you have LinkedIn, you can just check it out. Um, or just Google Dr. Ken's Truth or whatever, and yeah, it'll show up. Just holler at a brother. I'll tell you where he is. Um, I was thinking about something today. First of all, I want to say in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, I have a guest that will be coming on the show, uh, Steve Frieder, and he is... Um, from Marquette University. And we're going to be talking about the death of the queen. We're going to be talking to uh, Steve Frieder. He's the senior advisor to the president of Marquette University. Um, he has excellent information on just how, what's this whole thing about the queen? And why is this important to America? Why is it important to the black community? We'll talk about that a little later. But when you, when you look at things like that that happen, right, 
British people pay a significant amount of money for the monarchy. Like, because you were born a certain way, you made laws that dictate whoever's in your family, if you follow the rules and the queen has all this power or the king, then you get to make up like basically whatever you want based on tradition that's been followed through for, um, I guess in the king or queens, we have to say millennia, right? And so at least decades. I mean, she's been here for what, 70 years? And if you think, I'm sorry. Wow, that was mean of me. In case you didn't hear, Queen Elizabeth II, Britain's longest serving monarch, died at 96 years old today. So the family was summoned in and she passed away. Now, the funny part about that is we'll talk about who's next in succession and how that works and how that happens. But the sheer wealth of the Commonwealth of Great Britain, the the sheer wealth of money that has been spent on the family because they're considered royalty. The hard work, the backbreaking work that people of Great Britain have done and never earned the, the, the right to even be in the presence of the queen. That's astounding to me. So we'll, we'll talk about some of that. We'll, we'll talk about how and why that happens and what that means. Should it mean anything to black people? Should it mean anything? Because really what it comes down to, it comes down to wealth. Not richness, but actual wealth. And I I think we need to take a look at that. We can learn a few things from it. We can also protect us from a few things. How much are you worth? I mean, financially, um, physically. Morally, um, psychologically, I don't know. How much are you worth? We always think financial. We always think it. When you ask kids, we always talk about we want to be rich. The monarchy was rich. They lived off the fat of people paying taxes in Great Britain. Did they ever generate anything? They went and went to other countries and took resources and made use of their natural resources and their people and kind of made people feel like they ought to be grateful that the Brits were even there. But have you thought about how much you're worth? All the money you owe, all the money you have, all the insurance money you have, you know, just calculate your worth. Are you wealthy? Well, I've learned that you're not wealthy until you have three generations of money that has passed through three generations. It takes three generations. And so my question is, is that what you're working towards? Are you working towards creating actual generational wealth? Not not just talking about it, but actually creating it. For 70 years, the Queen of England has been on the throne, basically been in charge of the country 
And the head of the Anglican Church. Now, that's just foreign to me. I would never want anything like that in America. And we wonder why people that are rich in Great Britain left the country, came here, got rich, and went back. Somewhere, I think the black community should take homage to take, is that the right word? They should learn from how wealth is created in other countries. Because I think we have to start to question, number one, how much we're worth, and number two, are we rich or are we wealthy? I don't want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. My plan is to create three generations, four generations, five generations, so that 100 years from now, if we're still here, I have generations of people that look to me to say, thank you. Well, actually, I want my picture on the wall, but that's another story. Um, I want to be able to leave a legacy of wealth. And so I've learned when people start to complain about, oh, that's terrible. You love money. Money makes the world go round. Money makes your life. If you are listening to my voice and driving a car working or at work or retired, money meant something to you. Do you worship it? Absolutely not. But do you understand it? Do you make it work? You have to stop being fearful of something you don't understand. Don't just throw it off to the side and forget about it. That makes for a long, very, very, very poor life. And I don't mean poor in wealth, but poor in spirit, poor physically, poor mentally. Enough with being rich. Having a lot of money, going to work and making a lot of money, that's cute, but it really doesn't work. You have to ask yourself the question, what are you working towards? Are you working towards being rich or are you working towards being wealthy? Because I'm going to tell you, I've had friends that were rich. I've had friends that had a lot of money. Many of them have zero today. And I think the main reason for that is the main reason in our community we have a lot of people rich with clothing, rich with money, rich with jewelry, rich with cars. But the one thing I have noticed in many of these middle-class suburban communities, there ain't no rich people. When I look at most of them, all of them are just one thing. Be it education, be it money, it comes down to being wealthy. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. Hit us on a talking text line. So, the queen is dead. And we're going to be talking to a historian about just the historical aspects of being the queen and how that ties into maybe some ways that that affected, especially some of the provinces that um, we've had, the the member states of the Commonwealth of Nations, um, the British colonies, right? And so how those really, really affected um, the way those countries were run. Antigua, um, Barbuda, not not Barbados. It included Barbados, Bahamas, um, Belize, Botswana, Cameroon. Of course, we know Canada, which I don't understand. If I'm that far away from Great Britain, why am I giving you my money? They still have the crown prosecutor. I'm like, nope. Uh, you know, many of these places have since gone independent and have severed their ties. Some places have um, you can have dual citizenship just because like, for instance, many places in the Bahamas, just because you give up your you can still be Bahamian and have your citizenship there. But you can also still hold on to your British uh, citizenship and travel basically from country to country because it's the same country. It's like us flying to Hawaii. You don't need a passport to go to Hawaii because you're American and things of that nature. So it's it's just interesting how many African nations that they have actually taken over and colonized. And to this day, I wonder how many resources Great Britain has taken from these black countries and made theirs. While the only thing you do is walk around and travel and go see your commonwealths and all that other stuff, right? These commonwealth of nations and all that. It's just, yeah. Can you tell I'm really not in agreement with being having a queen or a king? But one thing that was important is the presidency, when you're elected in November, you become president 12, 12 o'clock and zero. No, actually, I believe it actually says that at 1201 on January 20th, the following year, you become president. You go to sleep, elect, and you wake up as president. And it's the same with uh, the queen, except when that person dies, you instantly become king. The coronation is just coronation. You know, that's the pomp and circumstance that you have on TV and everybody stays up and watches like they did the wedding. But in the end, it comes down to when a sovereign dies, the next person in line automatically. So Prince Charles is no longer Prince Charles. He's King Charles. Except you'll never hear from me. Long live the king, because, well, (laughs) 
I'm not from there. What are your thoughts on that? The fact that the Commonwealth has taken over so many, no, not the Commonwealth, what am I using? The country has taken over so many black countries. And I'm sure there's some positive things about that, too. There's some positives about, about Great Britain um, bringing their resources and their quote-unquote manpower to these organizations. But I find it interesting. She died, what, a couple hours ago? They've already changed Wikipedia. Member states of the Commonwealth of Nations, in one of the statements, it says, the symbol of this free association is King Charles III. I'm like, really, dude? Like, that fast? They updated it that fast. I find that just unbelievable. Updated on September 8th, 2022. Wow. That's interesting. So at like 12 noon today, it's about an eight-hour difference. So about 10 a.m. today at 1838 UTC, they updated this roughly six hours ago. Interesting. That's how fast the world changes. Talking text line, Ivy Moore said, that ain't important to black people. So don't be saying that. They're not important to us. They stole our literature. So how is that important to us? Thank the true blue bloods. You need to stop it. I'm not. I'm not like, huh? What is he saying I did? Like, gave yeah, him, Dr. Ken. Gave him praise or something? Stop defending the crown. I'm not. Oh, believe me. I'm not the guy to defend the crown. I'm the guy that's going to tear down the crown because I think it's just. I think it's it's juvenile. I mean, the fact that you have somebody who is a king or a queen, it sounds good. But would you go back to Africa and have somebody tell you, hey, I'm the king or the queen. I got this for life and I can lord over you and there's nothing you can do. I don't think so. Hey, DZ, I decided today all the men in the kingdom should be bald. Not going to happen. True, true. It's just a different form of slavery. Like we forget that's where slavery started in Great Britain and then it spread. And when they and when they outlawed it, that's when they went to Africa. So we, we got to we got to be careful. Oh, that's really cool. The socialist way of living. Yeah. OK. But look what comes with it, because it'll ease itself back down to communism. Well, we just decided that everyone's equal. Some of us are more equal than others. Okay. And it's us. And that's how it goes. It, and and it, it'll drift to that. And so we'll be talking to Steve, um, Steve Friders. He's the uh, Marquette University Corporate Secretary, Senior Advisor. But more importantly, he's Senior Advisor to the President of Marquette University. But more importantly, he's a historian. So he'll give us a point of view that we can look at this changing of the guard and how that has affected American policy. Um, what, did, what did the Brits say about, about slavery when it was going on in America? What did the Brits say about civil rights? They're an ally. What do they say about it? So at 5 o'clock, we'll, we'll be looking into just that. 
we'll be looking into seeing how that attaches itself to what we call our freedoms in America and historically how literally what we're doing now will be history tomorrow. And we'll look at that first day and how it affects everybody on the world stage. Because regardless, you know, I used to be one of those people. Yes, I'm pro-America. I think America should come first uh, because we're us. Let everybody else take care of them. Those people we can help. We need to help them. But at some point, we need to be cognizant of what's happening in the world. We need to care what happens in the world. Because the king can become some, you know, lunatic and decide he wants to retake over Europe. I would think I want to take over France, too. And they got the army to do it. There are a lot of things that can be happening in the world right now. This will maintain some stability. And Europe maintains stability with our allies. And I believe maintain security with us. When we come back, I got a story about two South Dakota parents that are calling out a Catholic school for making a request that was untenable. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is uh, the number. So, Mr. Frieder, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, F-R-I-E-D-E-R, Frieder, Frieder, is a um, historian and a monarch um, how can I phrase his expertise? He is what we call a royal monarchy historian. So he'll be able to give us some, some, some insight to some of the things that um, the monarchy had and you know, what went on with your girl when she was over there. And, you know, was, was. get a little bit of scuttlebutt, you know. So that'll be coming up in the five o'clock hour. So I was looking at this story. Oh, hang on. Let me let me first check the talking text line. Mr. Madee, how are you? Um, Red Ivy Moore, 262214 said, the Queen of England was the last remnants of colonialism and imperialism. She's not a remnant. <laughs> Look, it's still going on, dude. They got a king. It ain't stopped, but I feel you. She represented the, the guile, the lies, and thefts of the West from darker-skinned people for hundreds of years. Due to the expansion of the British Empire, white supremacy has infected every facet of society. Elizabeth II didn't love her subjects. She needed them. The crown represents everything that is wrong in an inherent belief. You can Christianize and civilize people who had civilization and society while where you came from was 
plagued with the black death and a lack of food or higher education. Okay. That came from 262214. Um, I understand how you can see that. Um, some parts I agree with, some parts I don't. Um, see, for me, I don't blame everything on white supremacy. Sometimes sociology gets in the way and people do dumb stuff. And I think when we associate something and say the reason it happened was white supremacy, that's the same reason why black people are blamed by white people for doing things that are inherently human by nature. But they say, see, look at those black people. That's how they do that. How many riots have white people had over the years? Prisons, streets. Did, didn't the Irish riot, didn't they make a movie about it? But yet, you know, we, we pretend like, eh. We pretend like, eh, 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 eh. nah, that didn't really happen. Didn't they riot in New York? But, eh, we pretend like that didn't happen. But that's what they did. So, so I'm missing, back in the day, When we looked at movies called The Gangs of New York, them wasn't us. That wasn't black people out there tearing up the city, fighting each other. Oh, look at those black people. They're just, ter they're, ter they're terrorists. Well, let me see. Uh, I think the original terrorists came over on the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria. You talk about terrorists. Hey, let's kill them. And if we can't kill them, we're going to give them, um, you know, smallpox with blankets, some kind of disease that'll kill them off. And then when they don't die, we're going to just go in and kill them all. When they weak, infirmed, and can't get around, and then we're going to take it over and say, hey, we found this, which you really didn't because you were in the Bahamas. We found this. See, look. Spaniards been here 200 years. All of a sudden, you found something that was already there. The sheer idiocy of that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you're calling it Indigenous People's Day, because it's not for you. It's for the people that were already here, because you took what was theirs. But I digress. So the Queen of England was one of the last remnants of colonialism and imperialism. <clears throat> okay, so now I understand what you mean. Other countries have done it, and then they've since changed and grown, and England has not which I still don't understand why they have parliament when they got an answer to the queen. Like, whatever the people vote, can the queen override it? And those are some of the things I want to ask. She represented the guile, the lies, the theft of the West from darker-skinned people. Absolutely, for hundreds of years. Yep, sure did. But again, I don't think it's white supremacy because in Africa, didn't some tribes take over other tribes because they wanted stuff that they had and they went in and killed people and stole it. See, in my mind, some of that's just human nature. But I digress. 833-212-1017 is the number. Parents in Sioux Falls, South Dakota are signing off about a Catholic high school's dress code policy that would have required their 14-year-old black son to cut off 
his locks. Tony Schaefer says she was shocked when the assistant principal of O'Gorman High School notified her that her son Braxton's shoulder-length locks went against the school's uniform policy. According to NBC News, the rule prohibits boys from wearing hair past their collar or touching the collar. Oh, my gosh. Tony told the outlet that this was the first time she had ever been notified about the strict policy and Braxton had been wearing his hair in locks since he enrolled in Bishop O'Gorman Catholic School System at what? Eight years old. So for six years, this kid's been walking around and they decided that, nope, can't have it. So during a conference, Braxton's parents tried to compromise with the school's administration, asking if they could put his locks into an um, updo so that his hair would not be touching his collar. Still, school officials told him that students were not allowed to wear man buns. According to, now is that at the top of the head or the back of the pants? Man buns. Is that your, no, I'm kidding. Stop. And so according to Tony, huh? Wait a minute. Let me see if I get this right. Tony Schaefer, whose son's name is Braxton. And so they wrote this, according to Tony, Braxton. Really? Anyway, was devastated upon learning the news. It's incredibly stressful, and he feels kind of like an outsider anyways because, you know, when you're one of the only few black students, and I think he might be the only one there with locks, he's devastated, basically. Braxton's dad, Derek, argued that the school waited too long to tell them and inform them about the school policy. The problem is it is arbitrarily applied. He's been in the system for three years with the same hair. We're confused about why it's now become an issue. They've had a chances to talk to us. Now, this is a kid who clearly is adopted by a white family. School administrators approached Braxton's parents one more time about the dress code, but they kind of stood their ground notifying officials he would not be cutting off his hair. They'll still transfer him out of the school after the semester is finished. This is about my son and what makes him feel comfortable. Maintaining her son's beautiful locks bear cultural and spiritual significance. It's not the actual lock itself, but it's length and strength, spirituality and power. It's all in the length. And he basically says, you know, can you wear them? Yes, you can wear them. School president Kyle Gruz said, yes, you can wear them. We simply want the length of the hair to be at the collar or right above the collar. Right there is what we ask for, to be clean, neat, and well cared for. 833-212-1017. When we come back, I want to know from you whether or not should the parents compromise and make him cut his hair or should they transfer their son to a school where he, his culture, and his hair is acceptable. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. You know, black-owned businesses are the cornerstone and backbone of the black community, from the classic barbershop debates to the local family-owned restaurants we enjoy. These fond memories show the greatness of what Milwaukee was and is and will be. That's why the, us, the new 1017 The Truth and Associated Bank, have teamed up to rebuild the backbone of Milwaukee through our Black-owned business give back. Our goal is to help local Black businesses grow and succeed together. The home of Milwaukee Black Talk will be giving away $2,000 worth of free commercial advertising for one month 
to the first 10 black-owned businesses who go to blackbusinessgiveback.com to sign up each month from now until the end of the year. Let's rebuild our community's backbone through exposure on the truth. For official rules, head to blackbusinessgiveback.com, Associated Bank, member FDIC. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. All right. Talking text line, Mr. Madi say, don't never cut your hair to please the school policy. Not working a job. When you grown, something different. Never change your kids' looks for these schools. Madi. Is it different, though, Dr. Ken? It's really not. Because it's teaching a conformity at a young age. Well, it's teaching conformity, but we also live in a place where, how, how can I say this? We live in a place where we have rights. And children also have rights vicariously through their parents, right? So I shouldn't have to cut your hair off because you're uncomfortable with the length of hair because you associate it with being feminine. I get it, but I don't get it. When you're reflecting your culture, you're telling me I have to look like you. That was a conversation we had before, straightening your hair. You know, all the issues black women have to go through just to go to work every day. But what are your thoughts? I just feel like it's either teaching one or two things, conformity or defiance. Because if you're like, nah, you ain't going to cut your hair for no teachers, but do it when you get to an adult and then when it's for a job. No, you're not going to want to do that when you're an adult and it's for a job because you were taught you don't cut your hair. But then if you're taught to conform and you do later in life when you maybe should stand up for yourself and the things you believe in strongly, you won't. I think you need a recording that says this is a millennial mashup. Because <laughs> it's not just either or. Your generation drives me crazy by looking at everything black and white. There's a gray area pretty much to everything. A few exceptions. What it comes down to is you could compromise and have the hair cut short. But what value do I get out of matching your way of life? What what do I actually get? Is that kid going to get less education because his hair is longer? Is he going to get less um, appreciation? Now, as an adult, you may not get a job. So in that instance, I can, I can, I can kind of see that. We, we got to come up with a compromise. School, what am I compromising? It's a Catholic school, which means it's private, which means I'm paying you. What are we doing? Right? Now, the young kid, three, four, five years old, with an earring? Absolutely not. If you're not an adult, you should not be wearing an earring. But yet somebody at a school in Milwaukee made an argument that said it's part of the culture. 
that is not part of a four-year-old's culture for a boy to wear an earring. But they tried to push it as that. And I said, well, here's the other thing. You knew the rules when you came here. The rules for this school were not made clear, didn't say anything about it, and they allowed him to wear his hair for three years before they said something about it. Now, you set a precedent, and he's probably the only kid with braids at the school anyway, but at some point, you're telling me I can't represent anything that doesn't look like you, and I got a problem with that. And if I'm ever told that, I'm just leaving the organization. I'm not going to think about it. We're not going to have a conversation about it. Talking text, there, there's a message in here for you. By the way, in the talking text line, I'm not going to read it. You know why I'm not going to read it? Because I want to keep the FCC license of WGKB-FM. So. <laughs> but I'm going to let you read it. It's from Derek. But it's... It, it comes down to, I applaud these parents for standing up and saying, look, that's his hair. If you don't like it, oh well. Did Samson really have locks? What nationality was Samson? I rest my case. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 414-416 says the Policy is ridiculous. I would guess that there have been non-melanated children. You mean white children or children without melanin. Okay. Whose hair reaches longer than shoulder length. His parents should force their hand. And if they expel him, sue and then run to a school that has a policy against bigotry. Well, everybody's bigoted. So I don't know if that's going to change. You should not be teaching your children to comply or compromise with unjust and nonsensical rules. Good evening, by the way. Good evening. How are you? But I see that, but you're paying to go to that school. So if you're paying to go to the school, the only option you really have is to take your money back. Now, don't go suggesting other people take their money back because if the school goes under, they're going to sue you. But telling the truth, it's kind of an affirmative defense when you, if somebody sues you for something, because you're like, hey, told the truth. This is what they did. I got the policy. I got the written stuff. But I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my word for it. Go see a competent attorney. But those are some of the things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to stand up for things and say, look, this is, this is what it is. You know, I've had instances of working at places where people didn't like me and, you know, assignments moved and squads taken away and all sorts of things, right? Titles taken away because people are afraid. People are, you know, they're, they're control freaks and they want to be in charge and they don't want you in charge. And it's, and it's unfortunate because then you leave me in a place where I have to keep all my extra and put it somewhere else, all my extra and go somewhere else and do those things that suit me and not us. And it's unfortunate people do that. You know, one year you complain about one thing, about doing something, and then the next year you complain about something because you're not doing what you did last year that they complained about. You know, things like that. It, you just get to the point where you just go, why do I do this? I'm not wanted. 
I, I get zero support. And so you start to wonder, why do these things? And we as a people have to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'm just not. And so I've gone through about a good decade or two of people saying, you're so difficult. Well, usually when you don't give people what they want, when they want it, how they want it, every time, you're deemed difficult. You know what I say? I like being difficult. There are times to compromise, and then there are times just to say no. And I'm at a point in life where no is not relative. No is very specific. And I get to tell people no. And that's it. And it's unfortunate at times. But I get to take my ball and go home. I get to say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And leave. And I'll be respectful, but I'll let you know these are the things and this is the reason why I'm leaving. This is why, this is how, if anybody asks me, I'm telling them the truth. And there's not a lot you can do about it. And then make it easier for the next person. But when do you do that? Why do you do that? Do you make it easier for the person coming behind you? Where I am now, it's really not an issue anymore. But then you wake up the next day and you keep going. Because that's what you have to do. You wake up and you keep going. You say, you know what? People are going to be behind me. I have to make it easier for them. Will they go through some of the same things I went through? <clears throat> Absolutely. But they're watching me. They're looking at me. And, and me can be anybody. It can be you. It can be your brother, your cousin, your mother, your father, your grandparent. They're being watched. And how they respond is going to make it easier for other people to come in and become a part of that particular organization. So sometimes you just got to, you know, as I love to say to millennials, sometimes you got to just suck it up, buttercup, and deal with it. And I'm talking to the baby boomers and the Xers as well, because that's how life goes sometimes. It might be bumpy, but it's a lot of fun. Five o'clock hour, Steve Freider, the Marquette University Corporate Secretary, Senior Advisor to the President of Marquette University, and historian on the British monarchy. When we come back, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City, I'm Dr. Ken Harris.